You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast. Journey your profile with Ashley Copeland, who, without a six-figure salary, was able to own two homes and has a net worth of almost $100,000. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, hey, journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. Super excited to have you here and super excited to bring you this journeyer profile series. So if you don't know, I started this series a while back. I actually haven't been able to do as many episodes of these as I like, but the point of it is I wanted to interview people who are in the thick of their journey. Journeyers just like yourself who may not have reached financial independence, but they have a story to share. They have lessons to share with you that they've learned and that you can apply to your own life. And so for this episode, I have Ashley Copeland, who I met at the last FinCon that I went to. So the personal finance conference that I'm always talking about that I started going to a couple years ago, Ashley approached me at the last one that I went to after one of my talks and told me that she was a fan of the podcast, she was a journeyer, and how she was doing her thing, really getting her finances in order and all the wins that she's had in her in her life. And she's in her 20s. And I was super impressed. And she followed up with me after the conference via email. And we I just got a better sense of her story. And I said, you know, I have to have you on the podcast. And so Ashley's going to come on and talk a little bit about her journey to financial independence. She's not there yet, but she's done remarkable and amazing things at such a young age with her finances. And can I just like let you in on a little secret? Or not secret, but one of the things that I really, really enjoyed about Ashley's story is that it reminded me of myself. When she was talking, as I was just listening to her, I was reminded about how I also approach life and money and you know, I always say this to you guys, the world is your oyster. You have to believe you can do it. And Ashley is one of those can-do people. And you'll hear that in her story and in just her experiences. So I'm excited to have her come on and talk more about it. If you want any of the episode show notes for this, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 86 to hear more about where you can contact Ashley, follow up with her story. And as always, make sure you're following me on social media. I'm at journey to launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'd love to hear your thoughts and what you think of the episode, what you, what you took away from it, what you're going to apply to your life going forward. Stick around. I have some exciting news about the launch club. That's my membership community. So if you want to check that out, journey to launch.com slash launch club, but stick around for the end and I'll share some more details, some cool happenings going on in the club. All right, without further ado, let's get into this amazing conversation. Hey, journeyers, I'm excited to bring you another journeyer profile series. And this one I think is pretty cool just because Ashley, who's going to talk, you're going to hear in a bit. (laughs) I met actually in person at FinCon. So, you know, I always talk about FinCon as being if you're in a personal finance space, as a creator, as someone 
who just does any type of work in this field, like it's an amazing place to go. And so I met Ashley after my panel and we connected and she said she listened to the podcast and that she was a journeyer. And she just talked a little bit about her story about being able to own property um, in DC, also not earning six figures. She just had a lot of like depth and just, it was very impressive, her story, because I typically have people on and maybe, you know, they're earning six figures or they have a partner. And Ashley, you could correct me if I'm wrong or not, like you're single doing this and a black woman doing this. Yeah, I did do it on my own. Exactly. So all these things, I'm just like, I need to profile her story uh, to just shed more light on the fact that this can be done and then to like dive deeper in how Ashley's doing it. So welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited. Yes. (laughs) I want to dive into your story, um, you know, how it is that you came on this path of financial freedom and independence, how you were able to get so much things done with your finances at such Mm -hmm. a young age. You're only 27. Yeah, I'm 27. So Um, how did you start? Like, how did this all begin for you um, in terms of getting your finances to this level at such a young age? So I've, I've always been... I've always been like financially aware. I've always been very financially aware of like my money and where it's coming from and and who has it. And I've always been a money hoarder. So I remember being as young as five, my grandfather would give me, he would give my sister, brother and I like $2 or a dollar. And we used to go to Dollar Tree and we'll, we'll get like, you know, the little toys. But I discovered really quickly that the toy broke in like before we even got to the car. So I was really upset by that. So I decided just to keep my money instead of spending it frivolously. When I was like five. And when I turned 16, I started working. Uh, I started waiting tables. While I was a hostess at uh, Cracker Reel at a restaurant in my town. And I just, instead of, instead of spending that money, I literally just saved it. And I only purchased necessities because my, my parents weren't able to provide like a lot of financial like wants for our family. So instead of buying wants is just live below my means or live the way my family still lived and just started like keeping all my checks. And I stayed, I did really, really well in school so that I could, and I purposely chose a school that would pay for my education. So I did graduate debt free, which helped out a lot. So I went to a school that paid for my education. You know, you get refund checks. I just kept the refund checks. I kept working. I worked two jobs and I I literally, this is like a pattern. This is just, that was the pattern. And I kept staying literate, financially literate, and I wanted my money to work for myself. So I started my um, Roth IRA when I turned 21. I had like $10,000 saved up from my refund checks and working. And when I graduated from college, I moved to D.C. Same thing. I lived like in an undesirable part of the city at the time. Now it's gentrified, but undesirable part of the city. Spent really, really, really cheap on rent. Did like I think I slept on the air mattress for a long time. Like Little things like that helped me. So I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And the money that I would accumulate, some people hoard, but I read about how to make it work for me. So I purchased my first home at 20, my turn for my 25th birthday, I purchased my first property. And then the following year, a colleague of mine uh, encouraged me to purchase a second home, which I thought was impossible, but I ended up purchasing my second home. Kind of, it was kind of on a whim, but that sounds weird, but I wasn't expecting to, I didn't think I could do it, but she encouraged me to do it. So I have a tenant living in my DuPont property and have a roommate living in with me in the home I live in now in Northeast, which is also an undesirable quote unquote part of the city. Right. Right. Okay. So, so many things are jumping out at me as you were talking (laughs) 
basically the fact that you were five years old and have that memory. It's amazing to me because oh, yeah. I have I have young kids. You know, my oldest is going to be five. Yeah, yeah. June, and I'm just like p- kids really remember like at this age things and like it shapes yeah. their future or you know that and younger I have younger memories than that that are like financially or not oh absolutely this is kind of a tangent sorry this is a tangent but I like my brother was born when I turned five years old and I have extensive memories of the time when it was my just my sister and I extent like extensive memories when my sister and I and we were together we were a pair that it was just us and we were so close like extensive and then my brother came when I turned five so I yeah they they're soaking in everything that you're saying. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that is shows you that it's never too early. Absolutely to not. Talking about these things and instilling it in them. And when you, even if you, they don't, you don't think they understand, you know, your kids, like they, they it's, it's leaving an imprint on their brain and they yes. might not even say it, but they might remember it um, and become like an Ashley who's like, on her way, <laughs> a millionaire <laughs> uh, before she's like 30. So, all right. So in terms of like this, this, drive. I can relate to that a lot in my story of yeah. just just being aware of money, not necessarily, you know, always knowing the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Dedication. So when you like talk a little bit about like wanting to own like property, especially in DC now, I heard you say like yeah. they were areas that were not as desirable. And one area, like, yeah, the one area is yes. Right. And I think actually, before we get to that, let's talk a little bit more about your like career and salary. Yeah. One of the things people like say was a barrier and I believe them it's true. And for a lot of people it is, it's like their income in choices like this. So talk a little bit about what you do or what you did and kind of how much you earned in order to like do these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see where I start when I, so when I first graduated, I made $32,000 $32,000 and five, $32,500. That was my salary. I used to work on Capitol Hill. And, and it's, this is public information. If you're, if you're a federal employee, it's public. So I made $32,500 a year when I first started on the Hill. And that's really not, you know, of course, especially living in D.C., that's quote, unquote, not enough. And I think that that's definitely true. It's not enough. So the first thing I did before I even started, because um, I started around the government, the first government shutdown, which is interesting was get a job at a restaurant. That was the first thing I did. I knew the restaurant industry at the time. I, I love working with people. I loved, I love waiting on tables. Like I still do. I still do it to this day. And that's what really helped my income. So my income combined at that time was maybe like $50,000. But what I did with my money was not spend it at all. So it, income is important, but more, but I think more important is what you do when you get your check like how you're actually spending your money, how you're allocating your funds when you get your check. And when I got my check, I didn't spend money on anything. So I worked in a restaurant, so I got to eat for free. Or I found ways to eat for free. I used to go to these congressional receptions a lot, so I would eat there for free. I used to, um, I don't drink. I'm not, well, I'm not a really big drinker, so I didn't, I don't, I don't feel the need to drink. And alcohol can be really, really expensive. The markup on that is super high. I didn't go shopping. At that time, I was working like 80 hours a week, like no joke. So I really couldn't go out anyway. So I wasn't, wasn't I didn't have a desire to go shopping because I all I did was work excessively. But and that was for almost a year. So because of that, the money that I had saved up was super like so I had so much money saved up because I all I did was work excessively. And I thought that sounds kind of undesirable. But if you're doing something you really like, if something you enjoy, then it's not it's it's kind of it's super fun. And then you see your money get bigger and bigger, and you're like, oh, you get more motivated to keep doing it. 
and I kept reading blogs and um, reading, reading blogs and reading books about what people do with their money. And home ownership was always, always a salient um, method to, to keep your money and have it grow. That and investing. So the first thing I did was start an investment account because I had $10,000 when I was 21. And I had more money saved up after graduation from working so much. And then I decided to pursue home ownership in DC. And I, I bought that place. In, it's like a little shoe. I call it like my expensive shoe box. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that is like a, in like a quote unquote nicer, nice part of town or the city. I like it, but it's really small. So I, I, I bought that when I turned 25, my birthday. And that's why I was so like obsessed with home ownership. Everyone said you should do it. And all these wealthy people said to do it. I'm like, well, if they told me to do it, I might as well. And I had like all these other resources backing them on the claim. So I'm like, well, I guess that's what I'll, I'll give a whack at it. That did not go as planned, but I survived. <laughs> right, right. And it sounds like what even as you were thinking about owning something, you were also looking at it as an investment. Because, oh my God, absolutely. Right. Everything you and spend I, should be an investment. Right. And it's so funny because I agree. I think, you know, home ownership is fine. Like that's a, that's a really good way to build wealth, but it has to be a smart um, yes. decision in terms of you're looking at it as an investment. So if you cannot live yes. So maybe you do want to live there at first, but even if you couldn't, worst case scenario, yes, you rent it out. The market will support a rent higher than a mortgage, or at least covers the mortgage. There's some information yes. to be seen. Um, like you said, you're not going maybe in the best house, so it's not your end game or goal. Right. But it is. It is something that can get you there. You're using it as a stepping stone. Absolutely. Um, so in terms of so you bought this uh, property at 25 and mm-hmm. you know you were you were hustling in terms of working more than one job. So here's the thing: you had your full time job, but then you still waited tables. So yes, despite because some people for, and you know let's be clear, maybe your your time in general is a little different if you were to have maybe a spouse and kids, yeah. different responsibilities. But it also shows you like if you are really focused right on this like goal and you do let some of the stuff like to the side go away that are important so for you you didn't really need to go out a lot you didn't know I love the fact that you ate for free because <laughs> oh, you yeah. uh, worked at the restaurant you know you don't, you're not a big drinker so you if you can look at your life and say okay what are the things that are really important and what are not so important in terms of spending and how can I then use that money that I'm not spending to mm-hmm. in a future that will bring me wealth absolutely and to your point you know my side hustle my, the, the most salient side hustle in my life has always been the hospitality and service industry, always. And, it, and to an extent, it probably always will be. I know I can always fall back on that if, if my, something pops off in my life. But I would tell you know, your listeners and people who may, they may not be able to do that, and that's okay. But there's always, always something you can do to make this extra coin. Even selling, people sell things on Poshmark. We all have a lot of items in our house that we don't need anymore. I, I think you did, you had an episode recently where someone who was really focused on minimalism, minimize your house too. find things in your house that you don't want. And you just sell them. Throwbacks used to do your garage sales. There's always a way to make a buck. You just have to be a little bit more creative. You'll be creative with it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. That's the thing. Like you don't have to follow the status quo. And so Ashley yeah. also has a podcast guy stacks in the city. So you're going to, we're going to let everyone know where they can listen to that. But I was listening oh, yeah. <laughs> as some background to your story. I was um, listening to one and you talked about quitting your job. So I want to talk about the decision to do that. Um, again, there's so many similarities like with our stories, so <laughs> but um, I want to, I want to talk more about your decision to do that. Um, mm-hmm. 
on this journey, you know, some things that stood out for me when you were talking in that episode was you never felt like you fit in, like in the corporate or, you know, that institution yeah. world. And you just kind of did what you had to do. And that's kind of how I felt. So I want yeah. you to talk to you about leaving that kind of safe, quote unquote, right? Because yeah, safe job behind and what you're doing now and how this is all fueling you towards financial independence. Yeah. So yeah, everything you said was right or how I felt. I, when, when I went to, when I was in high school and when I was undergrad college, they, they told us that if you, if you graduate and get a good job, then your life is set. You're going to be happy. That's what we were taught. And I come from a rural community. I was raised by a single mom. You know, at some point we had like, we had food stamps at some point. We, you know, we had like, I get it. I get, I, we live like that. I, I get what that lifestyle can be like. So we're taught that if you go to school and you do, quote, unquote, the right thing, we just go to college and graduate and get a good job, quote, unquote, good job, then your life is set. And I, I felt like I did those things. I worked really hard in school. I worked hard in undergrad. And I did well in undergrad. And then I go in life, quote, unquote, and I'm on Capitol Hill and I'm so miserable. Like, I was so unhappy. I was so unhappy. I was so unhappy. And I, I work for money. Like, at the end of the day, I work for this money. And they're not paying me. I, I wasn't getting respected for my peers. I just, I was miserable there. I truly was. And uh, I was going to leave. But I, I, at that time, I was scared to leave. But we lost the re-election in 2014. So it was like, God bless me. And I spent a year and a half um, waiting tables full time. So I was there like 60 hours a week. But I was there full time working and saving money. And that experience was probably one of the, the best times in my life. Like I'm working with people that I really love. I got to backpack in Europe. I, I saved so much money. Like it was, I was around a community of people that were kind of like me, like they're like you. But at that time I thought I was supposed to have that normal nine to five and I ended up working at a lobbying firm and I got fired from that. I'm like maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> and then, and, um, and then I'm working at, and then I get this job at Morgan Stanley that I, it took me seven months to get. And I thought I was supposed to be happy because I'm like, wow, you're doing everything that you wanted to do, right? You love talking about money. You love money. That's not so bad, but you do. Like, you really love what it can do for you, how it can help people. And you want to teach people that. And Morgan Stanley wouldn't, didn't do that for me. Morgan Stanley didn't give me a platform to help a regular person manage their money, helped a wealthy person manage their money. I'm like, that's not my intention of being here. So I had to be very clear on my intention of being at Morgan Stanley. And that wasn't the case. I didn't like the life, nine to five life. I felt like I spent more of my time sitting around watching YouTube videos than actually making change. And for me, it wasn't hard. It really wasn't a hard decision to leave because I never thought of the corporate world in general as something that was safe for me. I thought of waiting tables as the safety net. That was the place that gave me money. That was the place that had support for me. That was the place where you know, everything that I wanted from DC happened to me there. So it, it wasn't hard uh, in my perspective to leave that. And I also come from a family who does, they're not nine to five people. They're kind of um, working class or, or don't, they don't work at all. You know, they, it's, it's like, so my perspective, I think is a little different. So it, it wasn't hard. I, like, I know I can earn money in my own way. I can support myself in a way that, that it doesn't require this 40 year institution. And then you retire. That's just not, that's not my style. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. And then, you know, when you talk about your, so you, you grew up seeing people like around you, like your family members being able to live um, and make do what they had. Yeah. Yeah. Cause for a lot of people, like even if they even grew up seeing that, like they still want that security of a job and I have nothing against like working yeah. for a company or 
having a job and yeah because honestly like being an entrepreneur is not easy right like absolutely not it's not for everyone and on top of that like there's nothing wrong as long as you feel like you're making an impact and this is work you love then do it you know like yes there's benefits so how did you so i know you talk about like working in the food industry but yeah. how did you gear up to make that change or uh or what are some of the things in place that you, you know, you had to consider? So like health insurance and then yeah. how are you earning income, like through your properties, et cetera? Yeah. Um, so like through the food industry, how do I make, so I think. Well, yeah. So how do you like survive? So how are you paying your bills now? So that's the biggest thing for people. Like if I do quit, okay. follow my passion, how am okay. I going to like pay my bills and still save and invest towards the future? And Yeah. Great. Okay. Great question. So well, initially, so I worked at um, at the at my restaurant, the restaurant for about a year and a half, maybe full, like super full time. And I think when you're at that point, I was just kind of living, like, oh yeah, you know, you're like in your twenties, just living. Like at that time, just living. So I wasn't really thinking about that. My job, my restaurant job, does provide health insurance, though. They so that that helped me out a lot. Like, um, so I did have health insurance. And I was contributing to a Roth IRA on my own. So I was already contributing to some form of retirement, like not, and not through my job. And to me, those are the only benefits that your job gives. Like that's not, that's the only best my job jobs give you, in my opinion, are like health insurance and um, retirement and founding farmers, the restaurant I worked for did that. And then the paid leave, I was like, I don't really need that. Because really, like when if I were to take a vacation, I would feel guilty taking a week off. And at the restaurant, I took off two months, and it wasn't a big deal. And I just saved all that extra money that I would have been making. And they actually offer paid time too, actually, but it's like a week. So it, it was it was different. Like for me, I'm always like, well, I have to take care of myself. Like I can't depend on a company or depend on someone else to do that for me. So I tried to make sure that all those ducks were in a row with that. But um, now, now that I left. Um, I'm, I still work at the restaurant part-time, so like two or three days out of the week. So I can focus more on my like, entrepreneurial, uh, my own entrepreneurial journey, but I'm living off of real estate. So right now I'm living off of my job, but I'm also living off of real estate. So I'm, I'm earning income from both of my properties. So instead, usually I, I would invest that money, but now I'm, I'm using it to live, which like it's, it, that's going. Mm-hmm. And I also have, I do have, a, I do have money saved up. I have some, a few you know, some money saved up so I can sustain myself. But um, the thing is, if you really, if you want to leave your job or if you want to get that rate, whatever, like you said, whatever it is, the next level of your, of your journey, of your career journey, you have to do some calculations. So I did calculations on how much money I spent. And then I did like based on like, so I did my variable costs and then my fixed costs. So I'm like, all right, I know how much my mortgage costs. I know how much my phone bill, like the things like the non-negotiables. And I had to cut out, cut out some of my variable expenses and that was hard because this is this is around christmas time too so i'm like oh lord but you have to or at least write down what you're going to be spending what you plan to spend like you're predicting your future so i look at this number and i want to keep that number around the same every month while i pursue my my own goals and i make sure that the job that i have and the the income i'm earning can sustain that at the very least i'm breaking even and that's where i'm at right now while i pursue getting people to help me or getting, you know, getting money to to do my what I really want to do. 
Okay. If that makes and any sense. No, it makes total sense because I also approach things that way. And yes. I think it's a good lesson for people because so, you know, you have not reached like your ultimate goal of financial independence. Oh, but, oh no, no, right, not yet. But, <laughs> but you have created due to your decisions, due to getting your finances in order, due to the a lot of the work you did beforehand, are able to live a life of freedom that a lot of people would yeah. love. And so it's almost, it's crazy because, you know, we all are on this path or I would like everyone to be on this path. Yeah, yeah. Financial independence, right? And then, so when you think about, okay, so what do I do once I reach financial independence? And what it looks like is kind of like what you're doing and what I'm doing is that you're yeah. working on something you love. Um, you know, you're working on something that brings impact and your passions to the world, you know, you're bringing, you're making money and still doing that. Doesn't mean just because you, you're financially yeah. retired doesn't mean you don't earn money and right. you're, you're able to just live a happy life. So it's funny yeah. because sometimes, you know, you might not have, you know, the million, $2 million in the bank yet, but because you set yourself up it with this lifestyle um, by making these choices, you're able to unlock this level of freedom um, yes. without even having all the numbers together, but you at least have something to sustain you. So I think that's, that's helpful for a lot of people because I always say it doesn't, you know, the end goal is important, but it's not as important as the steps you make along the way. Absolutely. And each step you made has allowed you to now reap the benefits where you're able to live off of your rental property, work part-time at seemingly a job that you seem to really value, um, waiting tables. You know, the one thing that sticks out for me is that some people would complain about waiting tables or, mm-hmm. you know, they think it's beneath them or it's just not. At, yeah. Yeah. They, you they would. Found, right. And, but you found a way, um, and not even found it. It just seems that you you're in gratitude for this opportunity. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it helps maybe frame choices that people can make and work, um, and what they choose to do for extra money a little different. Yeah, like, um, wait, what do you mean in terms of like explaining more about? Like, yeah, the- well, so the if the fact that you appreciate this job that you have, like waiting tables, and you oh, actually yeah, the love best. it, right? I want, I you know, you can't force people to appreciate a job, like <laughs> that, right? But yeah. how can you know? I want you to shed more of a light on how why this is such a good job for you, why you love the flexibility of it, because I yeah, think overlook those things. So for me, when I'm looking for when I'm looking for employment, I'm looking for money. Like how much are y'all trying to pay me? And I'm looking for the support, like, you know, to what extent is your community, your coworkers, your teammates, whomever you, you know, you refer them to how they're supporting you too. It's, it's a two way street. That's the only, to me, that's how you're going to be happy in your place of employment. And at the time it was, cause I've been working there since 2013 for the company. It was a stark difference between, it was a stark difference between um, my job on Capitol Hill, the job that everyone was impressed with, and then the job that people didn't really talk about. And I'm like, well, Capitol Hill's not paying me. I'm earning almost double working, waiting with people. And the people there are, they were like, I just couldn't, we didn't gel. Like, I, I remember like, crying, like on the, the, in the Senate office building. Like these, I have those memories. People just truly didn't accept me for some reason. I probably, you know, I, I was kind of an outsider on the Hill too. So that, then I'm having this experience where I'm like working super hard and working one day. I work 17 hour days there on the weekends on one day, but I absolutely love it was the people and the impact. I feel like I have so much impact there. Like I, I can remember one time I went on these people, these ladies, four ladies upstairs and they're, they haven't seen each other in like 20 years or something. And I think they were really good friends. One of their, one of the women's um, mothers that recently passed, they came together 
to eat and, you know, celebrate, you know, celebrate that woman's mother's life. And I waited on them. They'll never, they don't know who I am. They don't remember me. But the fact that I was able to facilitate that type of reunion is, it gives me so much gratitude. Like, I'm so thankful for that. But that job gave me, it gave me an outlet to be who I am. And I had an, ex- I had my first taste of entrepreneurship there because when you're waiting on people, it's a sales job. So in theory, you have an infinite amount of income. Like you can, in theory, earn an infinite amount of money. And your flexibility is there. If you don't want to work on weekends, you don't have to. If you don't want to work during the daytime, you don't have to. So I was able to do like more fun things during the day. Like I got to travel more. I went backpacking. Like I, I have lifelong friends. I have a partner there. Like everything happened because of this little microcosm. And the owner of the, cause, um, the owner of the restaurant is now working with me exclusively, like one-on-one to make sure that like my, my entrepreneurial dreams are going to come true. He's working with me. His, his restaurant group is one of the most successful in the city. So I'm so like, I am in, I'm always going to be indebted to what it's done for me. And that's just like, for me, waiting table is so much bigger than that. And you, you know, the journeyers need to understand that, you know, you may not have that experience um, through waiting tables or that might be beneath you. And that, if you feel that way, that's okay. But you, if you really want this, this lifestyle, because I'm going to Australia next month, for example, I'm going to be gone for a month. Cause I, cause I can like, that's really how it is. You really need to find, you need to do two things. In my opinion, you need to look at your checks, like what comes in and find a way to cut some things out. we, we could cut more things out than we think, than we know, especially when you're more intentional about your money and you need to find an outlet for you that will earn income. And it's not necessarily the, the job that will motivate you, but seeing the money coming in and seeing what you can do with it will motivate you. You're purchasing time. You want more time do the things you actually care about, whether it be spending time with your family, watching your kids grow up, um, the ability to travel, the ability to learn something new. Like I'm going to be picking up my saxophone again because I have the time to do so. That's really, at the end of the day, that's what you're purchasing. And I worked excessively when I was in my early and mid twenties so that now I'm in my late twenties, I can take more calculated risks. What I'm doing now is very risky. I'm not earning as much as I used to. I'm not, um, I'm not, I don't have a steady stream of income. But I, I am so blessed to be able to pursue my passion for the first time in my life because of the fact that I was grinding so hard for like 10, almost 15 years of my life. Right, right. And one of the things that you uh, have accomplished is you have a net worth close to $100,000. I do. Yeah, I do. I do. And that's based on, so someone, I, someone asked me about like, how do you like not spend it all? I'm like, well, most of that money is quote unquote tied up. So most of that money I don't have access to. My Roth IRA, I can't really access. My um, the, the value of my homes are going to fluctuate due to the market. So I can't access, quote unquote, that money unless I sell a property, things like that. So, um, and then, of course, I have liquid assets, so money in cash and then money in my checking and savings accounts. All of that counts as well. So, um, yeah, so I can't access it all. But, you know, when, when you do all the sums and all that fun stuff, it does come up to about $100,000. Right. And counting, Jamila, is counting. Right, no, I know. This is just the beginning for you. So I feel like this is, I mean, it's amazing. So one of the things, you know, for for other people listening, I want to hear more about kind of like the the levers you pull, the tools you use. Yeah. We heard a, we heard a lot of it already. It sounds like, you know, you, you budgeting, being intentional, hustling. Yes. Hustling and really just being focused on this goal. But I'd like yeah. to more about um, this journey to financial independence? Like, I know, like, do you know exactly 
what the end goal is, right? Like how much you need to have saved yet. Is that something uh-huh. you're still working through? What yeah. So I, honestly, Jamal, I don't know. That's the thing. Well, no, that's not true. I do know. I do know. It's going to be, it is around a million dollars. But um, it's ironic that as much as I like, I'm crazy about like money because money is a tool for me to live a life of abundance. I've never really been like one who's like super, super calculates. My, my budget has always been spend the least amount of money as possible. Like I have, for example, um, I have my fixed costs and then my variable costs. So let's say I have like a thousand dollars a month to spend on whatever I want. That's how I think of it. But no more than a thousand. That's it. I budget that. So I'm like, you can go out to eat. You can go traveling, go to New York City for the weekend. You can go shopping. You can do nothing. But you only have a thousand dollars to do that. But that's a lot of money. Like in my eye, I'm like, that's a lot of money. I can do whatever I want with that. So that's kind of how I, how I do my budget. Especially, and I recommend that for people, especially who don't want to do the 30%, the 50% pie. Like, yeah, that, that, that makes me pull my hair too. Like, I totally get it. So I would calculate all that together and then like use discipline to like, to, to um, spend wisely. I also, I do think that you should have a goal. Like, um, like I never think about the huge, the big goal, but I always have small goals or goals to me that are very attainable. Like I always wanted to be a homeowner and every single day, every day I thought about home ownership and what it took to be a homeowner, especially from someone who doesn't come, like I don't have a mom and dad who would just give me money for a down payment. I never had that. I didn't have parents who were even able to, um, they didn't, couldn't pay for my SAT class. Like one time my mom took out $500 when I was an undergrad to fix her car. Like I, I had, that was the life that I had to live. But, and I, I know people whose lives, you know, their parents are always, you know, asking for money from them, but you have to set boundaries. Like, of course you want to help them, but you need to, like, I'm only giving you a hundred dollars a month. That's all you're going to get. Like I'm giving you money. You should be grateful for that. And that's it. Cause I have to take care of myself. And when I'm taking care of myself, ultimately I can take care of you in a more, in a bigger form a bigger picture. So you have to set boundaries. You have to have a goal. Even if your goal is something that you would think is small, it's like, I want to save $5 a day. I have a friend who's saving. She automatically deposits $5 out of her account into a separate account every single day. And she doesn't even miss the money. But it comes out to what, like, how much is that? Like $150 a month. That's $150 more that she has saved than her, she had in her life. So imagine doing that in three months, six months, a year, two years, 20 years. Invest, like, that's how you have to start thinking. Think small. Think small. $5 right. a day. And then right. you'll see that accumulate really, really fast. That's how you start setting goals. And then as you get more momentum, your goals can get bigger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I love the focus on the boundaries with family and friends. I love yes. the focus on looking at all your, all your goals, breaking them down into things that you can see and measure. Because yeah, yes. when you think about the big goal, okay, I need to save a million, two million, three million. Yeah. Sometimes that stops people in their track. They're just like, wow, that number is just too big, right? But yeah. break it down like, all right, let's break it down by 4,000, 10,000, whatever yes. it is that work for you. It makes it just that more attainable. It's like, I could do this. Jamil, even when I said a million, I was like, whoa, that sounds like a lot of money. Like, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say that a lot. But I'm like, well, if I save like $10 a day and I have a 7% return, blah, blah, blah. You know, look, it's not so bad. And, oh, Jamil, also recommend you have to educate yourself. You have to educate yourself. I think that we all live in, everyone has a bubble. Like let's, I have a bubble. We all have our own little bubbles. And um, you, do you want to keep yourself in that bubble? Because that bubble has the similar mentality. That bubble may not necessarily be the most productive for what you truly want in your life, what truly will give you happiness. You have to find ways to educate yourself on that, in ways that are outside of what you're comfortable with. 
So a lot of people are afraid of the stock market. They have like, they have this like phobia, like I'm going to lose all my money. That's what everyone, everyone I talk to talks about that. I'm like, well, where's this coming from? Where's that idea, that mentality coming from? So I educated myself on the market and I educated myself on what calculated risks look like and how it's not that is unlikely you're going to, you're more likely to gain money in the long run than lose money. Cause you will lose money in the short term, but in the long term you're going to gain. And, um, I read that and I'm like, well, if Warren Buffett can do it, I'll see why this little black girl can do it too. That's how I think. Like, let's try it. It doesn't hurt to try. And as you earn more, you can take bigger risks and get bigger rewards, but you have to start, think small, start small. And, um, and educate, read, read books. I read Investopedia. I read Paula Pant's um, Afford Anything blog. That was, that's the reason why I purchased a home. I talked to people who have more money than me and I wasn't intimidated. I saw people who don't look like me and you know, they, they have a slew of information. They're completely outside of my bubble and that helped expand my bubble. So I definitely recommend educating yourself. That way, knowledge is truly power. It is. And confidence that you can even do something because yeah. what I'm hearing from you is the mindset. And honestly, like now that I've been interviewing so many people who have reached financial dependence or are on mm-hmm. their way, and even my personal experience, mm-hmm. that everyone who's doing it just believes that they can. Yeah. It's simple. But it's like so many people, because they don't have belief in themselves. And listen, just because you believe that you can does not mean you don't have bad days. Doesn't mean yeah. you Because I yeah. still have them. I talk about this all the time where, you know, I'm doing a lot. And from the outside, yeah, there is a lot that I have been accomplishing, whether it's with my finances, with my business. Yeah. That, mean that I know everything. And it doesn't mean that... Uh, I'm just walking out in this world like, yeah, I, like I got this. Like, I'm not afraid. You know, there's still that. Definitely. Fear, but you do it anyway because I love how you said, okay, if Paula Pant could do this. If, uh, you know, if if these rich, you know, wealthy yeah. people can, why can't I? You why know, can't I? I? But, you right. know, <laughs> Jamil, you know, that's that's really true. I, and I think we look at the end. We look at someone who's like either in or out of the like out of the game. Like, I did this and now I can't. We're so stuck on like the accomplishment piece or what it looks like. We really don't spend time looking at the beginning, the seeds, because no one was looking at you, Ben. No one was pressed for you back in those days. So all you see is the end game. Like I read a lot of biographies. I love biographies. I read a lot about people's lives. And uh, even someone like Steve Jobs, Oprah, of course, is a huge example of that. Um, Michelle Obama, they started like mad humble they started like they started like regular like steve jobs comes from like a regular middle class family oprah comes from you know poverty extreme poverty and i spend more time reading that part of their story before their breakthrough i spend so much more time on that part on the humble part or the part where no one was looking at you and looking at what they were doing during that time in their life because the breakthrough isn't as impressive which sounds bad as the the consistency, the persistency, and the focus during the part when no one's looking or paying attention to you. Those are the parts I pay attention to when I'm reading about people's lives. Warren Buff is humble too. He comes from a humble home too. Right. I love, love, love this. Okay. So many great like nuggets. Um, (laughs) So I want to also just talk about some lessons. I don't like to call things mistakes, but things differently. Right. Um, Lessons and wins on your journey to help encourage other journeyers who yeah okay I can, I can relate to this I can do this too yeah I have oh gosh I have a couple so um one of my I have two financial like setbacks if you will actually I'm more than I have quite a few but one so you got y'all be careful who you give your money donate your money to I say donate borrow don't you know being very 
intentional about who you're giving your money to. I gave an old friend of mine $3,500 for him to go back to school. And I, I don't have that money back. Long story short, I don't have all the money back. And I, at the, like, looking back, what I should have done was um, have things in writing, have things notarized, have that thing go through the court, through the bank. Just, you know, make sure you're protecting yourself when you're helping others. Just make sure that you're very aware of the rules of, of that. You just can't be giving people $5 here and there, especially when they don't value money the same way that you do. And I wish I would have done that because that set me back a little bit. Um, but I mean, I'm, now I'm, I'm really, I'm completely over it. It's all, it's all good. But I, like, looking forward, I'm very particular about who I borrow money, give money, borrow, let people borrow money from. But I'm also very intentional about how, like, let's set up a plan of how you're going to pay me back. Be intentional about that. My other setback, and this is huge, this one was actually, I almost went broke over this one, was my first property. It was a complete mistake. I thought I was Little Miss House Hunters and uh, Flipper Flop. I thought I was a combination of the two. Y'all be careful when you watch TV. Because I, so I bought a home in a nice, um, it was a nice part of town, but it was like, uh, it needed a lot of work. So like, oh yeah, Reno, renovation project. Yeah, let's do it. I was trying to put my thing on Airbnb. Like, yeah, let's do it. I didn't, my place had like homeowners assessments. Basically it means that they, like your home, um, your homeowner uh, condo dues can go up almost like double, which was extremely high it, because they just have a lot of work to do. The building's really old. My homeowner association is ran by like people who own 30% of that building. They're all over 60. They all, you know, probably voted for Reagan in the glory days. No offense, but you know, like do the math. And they, they didn't, they did not like the fact that I want to do Airbnb. They, they didn't like that at all. So you have to do some research. I wish I would have done that. They were really particular about renovations. I did most of the renovations. I couldn't afford those renovations. Like, look, I really couldn't afford the stuff that needed to be done. So my place is a little, needs a little bit of work still. So as a result, I had to find a tenant. I was paying mortgage and rent on my property. Like, oh my God, it was actually a really tough time. And I was working a job. And that's probably part of the reason why I got let go because I was gone so much trying to figure out how to do this. I was trying to do it myself. I would, ugh, I would never. Even now, like, I don't even know if I should have brought that, bought that home in the first place. Like, it was just one after another after another. I didn't know. And I couldn't find a tenant. But now, but I'm glad that happened. I'm grateful that that happened. Like you said, they're not mistakes. They're lessons. Because I know exactly what to look for when I'm looking for a property. I know exactly who to contact when doing renovations now. I know how much money I need. I know how to find a tenant. I know how to find a good tenant. Like all those things I learned from one of the lowest parts of my financial life. And it has worked for me. Um, it has worked for me in the long run. So if y'all are low or if you're feeling like something, like, oh my, like you feel like you're in never, never land, maybe you are. But you have to believe that this is going to get better and that you need to figure out what you're learning from this because it's prepping you for something bigger. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't, you can't be great without learning some, without a little, you know, lots of scars. They're cute scars, though. Right, right. I love, I love, love this. Okay, <laughs> so in terms of just your plans now, right? Yeah. What are you intending to do? Like, what are you working on? What, what are your goals to reach even more of your goals? Yeah, so it's funny. Um, as I've gotten, like, I've gotten more into, like, a, like, a journey, like, so many different journeys. So, like, a financial journey, entrepreneurial journey, and a spiritual journey. And I've, one thing I've been very intentional with is earning money to make sure that I can help others, help, help someone else other than me. So, little things, like, um, I want to buy my dad a car this year, maybe next. My dad, like, little things. Like, my dad has, his car is from, like, my, it was my grandfather's car from, like, the year, like, 2000. 
So he really needs a new car. I want to take my family to Hawaii. My mom and my dad aren't together, but they both have like on their bucket list is going to Hawaii and they think it's never going to happen. So I'm like, let's just make it happen. So we're going to take a family trip to Hawaii. I'm trying to work on that. And um, donating. I want to up my donation game. Definitely up my game. And no, y'all, y'all donate $5. Y'all need to donate $5 a month somewhere. Just do it. Just try Like Do it, do it, do it. That's another tip. Do it. And um, in terms of my entrepreneurial like goals, I want to I want to expand my show. Like my show, I recently found out I made the top 200 um, podcast for business. Congrats. I'm super excited. I'm so excited about so um, expanding that, getting more people to know who I am. I'm working on an online class to teach financial independence, a month-long online course in March. I'm working on starting that. And that's, that's all I have now. I, I, I'm reading all these books about like business and what to do. I don't know. I'm not gonna, I don't know, y'all. I'm not going to, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's totally fine because that's the beauty of this journey is that you, it's like pick your own pick your own journey. It's like you pick what works for yeah. you. And sometimes you do it and you're like, all right, that didn't go as yeah. I, or I didn't like it that much. And that's okay. Um, I love the fact that even while you're, you're focusing on saving and investing and earning money that you are looking at giving back. So it's more oh, yeah. about doing for others. Cause a lot of people, if you, you know, it's focused on, I think a lot or what you hear a lot is that, okay, hoarding like the money. So, you know, you save and invest as much as possible. You're not and again, this is not like a p- painting the brush on everyone in this community. This I don't feel this way, but mm-hmm. it can be assumed that oh, when, if you're on this path, then you know you gotta really keep your fists closed. And I've heard this. Mm. I loved it. Is that if your fist is too closed, so if you have money, right, mm-hmm. and your fist is too closed, holding that money because you're so afraid to let it go, mm-hmm. you're not thinking in abundance, you're not thinking in a giving way, then you also, not only is the money not leaving, but the, there's no money coming in because Absolutely. it's so yes. closed and clenched tight. And I used to be like that. I used to definitely be that way. And I was that way. I was so unhappy. I used, I had money and I didn't eat. I like, I used to be like that. Like really, 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 really bad. Like I was, to me, I was bad with money in terms of what it could do for me. It was like the opposite spectrum. I didn't spend frivolously, but I like, I hoarded it to the point where I was literally hurting myself. I was so afraid to spend a dollar. So I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I completely agree with that. So just in terms of some um, last parting words for yeah. who want to be motivated, who want to uh, do what you're doing, improve their finances. What are some just last words for them? Yes. Let's quick. Let's see. Uh, quick tips for people. First of all, y'all, whatever y'all are doing now, like if you're all listening, Hey y'all, you need just do it. Like, after this interview or after any of Jamila's shows, you need to follow, like, figure out, like, follow up on the person, do some re- just internet, some research. That's it. Just start with that. Because we need to, we need to start doing. Like, yeah, y'all listening. I hope y'all, you know, I hope I'm all up in your earbuds, you know. But list, like, do something about, like, what you've figured out. That person motivates you. If I can do it, you can do it. And I hate when people say that. But it's true, y'all. I'm a regular struggler girl. I am literally in bed right now. I have a bonnet on. Like regular, you know, I go lie. I'm not gonna lie to y'all. That's what it is, right? Like literally, right now as we speak. So, I'm no, I'm no more special, no more important than you are. I just like started walking. So y'all need to start walking. Take a step. Get out of bed. I need to get out of bed. But like, take a step. You know, walk, research, and uh, and look. You need to look. Some people don't look at their account. They're scared. They don't want to look at those bank statements. They're not as bad as you think they are. They're never as bad because you're the person who put yourself in that position. And 
you put yourself in that position, and that means that you can definitely put yourself in a better position than you are now. Because if you're happy living your life, you can be happier when your money is tight because you're the one in control of it. Like you, and then you feel more in control no matter what the situation is. When you feel like you have some control over it, then it makes it so much easier to make it better. Because nobody's financial situation is bad. Like I've seen, and Jamila, I've seen some people, I'm like, oof. But I'm like, it's actually not that bad. I tell them, it's not that bad, actually. I tell them that. It's not that bad. This is manageable. I always tell people that. It's manageable. Really? Yeah, it is. Because I said so. And if I right. said so, it means it is. And you're going to say so, too. You can do this. It takes steps. That's what I got. <laughs> love it. Love, love, love it. Okay. So, Ashley, tell everyone where they can uh, yeah. listen to your podcast and find more about you. Yes. So, my podcast is called Stacks in the City. It's about... Um, it's a podcast about helping people get this money and teach a financial abundance by any means necessary. We talk about all ways that fashion, fitness, goal setting, investing, home ownership. Y'all, if, it, if it's a dollar to it, then we're going to talk about it. And that's Stacks and the City on SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes. And um, my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook is going to be Stacks in the letter in the city. Stacks in the city. So follow me. And I always talk about I just talk about money. I love money because right. I love what it can do for you. I love how it can help your life. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to link all that in episode show notes for this. I just want to thank you, Ashley, for coming mm. on, sharing your journey, sharing your testimony. It was really inspiring. And I just love this conversation. No, Jamila, thank you. I, I, I like you, you guys, uh, Jamila inspired me to start my show. Like I, I listened to your show on the train, um, like yours and, and Courtney Sanders uh, on the train heading to Morgan Stanley going to work. And I'm like, well, if she can do it with, with three kids and her husband, like New York, the area you live in is, is not cheap either. I'm like, if she has all these things that she's juggling, I'm like, well, I don't have those commit. I don't have all of those commitments. Why can't I do the same? So, or, you know, continue to pursue the same and quit my job. So Jamila, I want to thank you so much too, you know, for what you've been able to do and, and seeing your journey is, is, is truly, truly, truly inspiring. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ashley. Again, I love her can-do attitude. She really reminds me of myself, quite honestly. And I, I just, I just love talking to people who believe that they can do something and then go out and do it. And I know that for a lot of people, maybe if you're listening to this, you still don't really, you still don't understand that you have the power to live the life of your dreams, but you do. And I'm hoping by bringing you stories like this, you'll see that it's possible. And yes, of course, we're all dealt different cards. You know, none of us will have the same tools in our toolbox, but I do truly believe that if it's something that is in you, if you are committed to learning, to achieving, to attempting, to at least try, you can reach your goals too. So thanks, Ashley, for coming on again. And if you want the episode show notes, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 86. Once again, would love, love, love to hear your thoughts on this episode. As always, I'm Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So make sure you're following me on those platforms. As I mentioned, want to give you just a little update about the Launch Club. So the Launch Club is my membership community for journeyers just like yourself who want to take what they're learning on the podcast and go deeper to apply it to their lives, to have the tools and resources and support to be able to do that. And so we have classes and events, virtual events in the Launch Club every month. So on Thursday, the 28th, tomorrow, if you're listening to this in real time, I'm having on someone special in the Launch Club to talk about 
career. So how to thrive in your career. And she's actually was on the podcast previously. She was on episode seven and she talked about negotiating a $25,000 raise. So she came on in the beginning of the episodes when I was just first starting. And she also happens to be my business bestie, but she is a genius at what she does. Her name is Dorianne St. Floor from Your Career Girl. And so she's coming into the launch club to teach a masterclass to really dive deep into how we can thrive in your nine to five, how you can thrive in your nine to five. So, you know, I always talk about financial independence as something we should all be striving for. It's not necessarily about quitting your job. Everyone's not meant to be an entrepreneur. And while you're on this journey to reach your financial goals, you should be in a career that you love. You should be giving your best into the world. So how do you do that? Dorian's coming into the launch club to talk more about it. So if you want to get access to that class and tons more classes and content that we have, you can go to Journey to Launch dot com slash launch club and even if you can't make a class live the classes are recorded so you can watch on your own time it's just one of the benefits of the launch club i will be actually shutting the doors for the launch club within i believe a month and so you know there'll be more details coming up about that but if you really want to get in now's your time um you know stop putting it off this is something that you've been thinking about or or wanting to do check it out journey to launch dot com slash launch club. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to continue to share this with your family and friends. One of the things that I'd forgot to mention on the podcast is that this podcast has been featured and is being featured by Apple Podcasts in February for Black History Month, which was super, super cool to see. And, you know, apart from, I believe, just you as a community being able to to tell your family and friends about it, one of the things that really helps is if you leave Apple Podcast Review. And I know not everyone listens to this in Apple Podcasts, but if you happen to, please rate, review, and subscribe in Apple Podcasts. That really helps with the visibility of the podcast. It helps me because I read every single review and it honestly keeps me going when there are times that, you know, this all gets overwhelming and I want to make sure that I am making the difference I want to in this world. I can look at those reviews and see that this is making an impact. So continue to do that. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review and subscribe. But as I always say, even if you do not listen to this in Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, it's totally fine wherever you listen to this, wherever you, maybe you're listening to this on YouTube or you're watching it on YouTube. Maybe you're listening in Spotify or on your Android phone. Totally fine. Keep on doing what you're doing and share it with a family and friend. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.